Hi, I'm Jillian Swinford. And I'm Haley Brolison. And this is Mother Nature Will Kill You. A podcast about the most horrific tragedies and the most triumphant survival stories that the wilderness can provide. So grab your backpack and maybe a bottle of wine and let's go on a wild ride into the unknown. Walking down this road I go, but I am going alone, running far, far from home, till I am skin and bone. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, it is another episode of Mother Nature Will Kill You, and we have a reoccurring guest host on today. Guys, you guys just don't don't complain about me enough, I guess. <laughs> Bill, until you bitch about it too much, I'm just going to keep on coming back. Ow, I'm an animal. <laughs> so the reason we are doing it this way today is because... Um, there is currently what is going to supposed to be a category three hurricane hurricane ian bearing down on the keys pretty much as we speak i don't think it's supposed to hit till like tuesday night or sometime in on tuesday um but Haley has been running around like a chicken with her head cut off trying to prep at work prep at home and you know potentially she may evacuate depending on how high of a category this is going to become and it's uh, currently the track is uh, not too far offshore of key west and she's only what 45 minutes away from key west at big pine so you know fun stuff this is what it is this is why we have this podcast is because of things like this in many ways Thankfully, we have not had, I'm going to knock on, this is fake wood, but getting knocked on. That's real wood. (laughs) This is real wood. There we go. We haven't had any this year. I say you're you're kind of bumming me out as I'm trying to enjoy my mimosa and my pudding cup here. (laughs) Did you really grab a pudding cup? No, I had one earlier. Okay. (laughs) But you were making fun of my, my fridge up here and all I have in it are pudding cups. Yeah, that's, yes. I was like, because this man is obsessed with having fridges and freezers all throughout the house. We have currently three right now. And he has one up in his little office up here. And I was just curious what he was using it for. She's snooping. And it was just pudding cups. So far. It's just pudding cups. For now. <laughs> I had two cases of Aha Seltzer water in it, but then I've been home for three days, so I drank them all. Well, I didn't mean to make you depressed. You know how it is. Oh, I know how it is. Um, so I'm drinking a mimosa to try and forget my worries. You know the um, an, it's and it's it's more than just like oh this is so scary like I don't you know want anything to happen to my house or want anything to happen to anything with um, working with a lot of expensive equipment. 
um, and working for an organization that has certain protocols about said equipment. Um, we sometimes evacuate equipment for a cat one and it is the most annoying thing because everybody's got to go and get involved and drive trucks and move shit around. Got to load up the trucks with every piece of computer, printer paper, all of our data, which won't be too much anymore now that we're doing. Now that it's all tablets, uh, but uh, digital. But, but the point is it's, it's more, it's, it's more than just securing your house. Right. And we have all of that equipment in the genetics lab yeah. that gets decalibrated every time it's out of or alignment. every time we move it. Every, yeah. every time you move it. Yeah. So it's just it's one of those things that, you know, if you're working in a science or techno like technology based field where you have a lot of equipment at your office that also needs to evacuate, you have to worry about multiple things, not just your own personal safety and well-being. And that can be a lot. So she's literally been prepping all weekend and we were trying to squeeze it in. And I was like, you know what? I'd rather you just be safe and like not even worry about this. Like you might be evacuating anyway during the time we plan to do a meeting. So she that worried that I'm going to replace her? No. Good. Because <laughs> you're not? Because I'm not. <laughs> Haley, your job is safe. But today we decided to make it a little fun we've got some passion fruit mimosas um, from champagne that i got yesterday from a friend's uh, bridal shower so you know living it up being fancy but it is also the start of spooky season on this podcast and so you're in for a fucking mystery good sir so before we go Haley sent me this uh, this news story because we like to do news stories on mm-hmm. this podcast. When you've been on before, we just had you tell us about your bullshit. Yeah, I haven't had any major bullshit recently. <laughs> so there's this article from September 9th of 2022 um, that talks about a man trapped um, for two days in a hydrogen balloon. And this is the kind of fast-paced, fascinating, you know, boots-on-the-ground kind of stories that we like to talk about in survival. <laughs> boots on the ground, in the air. In the air. <laughs> um, so a man in China uh, spent two days aloft in a hydrogen balloon and traveled about 200 miles from where he took off after it became untethered and flew away while he was using it to harvest pine nuts from a tree, which I didn't even know that that was an applicable harvest method. You got to get out more. <laughs> it's, not, it's not all cherry pickers and ladders out there. <laughs> it's, it's also, Sometimes you got to use a balloon. You got to use a hydrogen balloon, um, which I'm assuming they mean like a balloon with a basket like a hot air balloon kind of I, I can't think that he was actually inside no i think they just yeah. tied him up to Luftballon. that's what that song's about so the man was identified only by his surname hugh and a partner were collecting pine nuts on sunday in a forest park and i'm gonna butcher the hell I can't out of wait. this i can't wait to hear it because i'm looking at it right now he he long jang 
Heilongjiang. That's probably pretty close. Uh, province in northeastern China when they lost control and the balloon sailed off. The other person jumped to the ground. Um, so he was lucky and the search was launched for our friend Hugh. Not much of a ride or die. Yeah. Fucking asshole, man. Right. Would you would you stay in the balloon with me or would you jump out? Well, I feel like I'd if I could, I'd jump out because wow. uh, well, because how are they supposed to mm-hmm. know that it happened? Okay. You're just gonna leave me up there, your diabetic husband oh, dying up. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you should jump out and mm-hmm. I'll stay up there. Are you kidding me? You're gonna panic. I mean, yeah, but I'd rather have somebody know where the like what the fuck happened. No, nope, than... we're dying together. Okay, I guess we're dying together. You heard that here first. <laughs> if you're ever in a survival situation in a balloon, Corey and I are gonna die together. I guess <laughs> they'll probably die first because your diabetes. Yeah, then you can jump out. Okay, after we're <laughs> like pack a parachute a mile up in the sky. Okay. Make a rope out of our clothes. <laughs> Make a rope out of your fucking intestines. That's what I'm gonna do. Slip and slide. Aren't they like a mile long or something crazy? Like or I, something I, like that. I've heard that so much, but I've also heard people debunk it. But then people have also said, "But it's real." And I just I don't know if to believe it. Uh, you know. And I know Google could probably tell me, but it could. Oh Lord, here we go. <laughs> it auto filled it. It's only. It's only feet. fifteen feet. I'm about to say, there's no way. <laughs> Because intestines are like a decent diameter. There's no way there's a mile of intestines in your stomach. No. Maybe maybe it's your veins that are actually like your blood vessels. I split. Anyway, so uh, because the other person jumps to the ground, a search was launched for the escape balloon in Hugh. Uh, the state broadcasted CCTV said rescuers were able to contact the man by cell phone the following morning and instructed him to slowly deflate the balloon to land safely which i feel like i feel like i could have figured that out yeah i maybe the guy who jumped out was the balloon operator Mm. and the guy who stayed in was just the 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 nut collector he was just the nut he was just the nut guy (laughs) he was just a nut sack on legs yeah maybe um so (laughs) This is what you guys get when we bring Corey on. You get nut nut sack jokes. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is happening. I had no idea that this was a pine nut collecting incident, mm. though, when I like looked at the article when she sent it to me. I mm. thought it was like some guy, you know, weather balloon, maybe. I bet that guy in the balloon was pining for some help. Oh my god. <laughs> Starting to think he had gone nuts probably a basket case by the end of that (laughs) anyway it took another day before he reached the ground about 200 miles to the north in the fangzang or maybe fangzang region close to the border with russia i could you imagine though if you like landed in russia i mean i guess he was chinese so it probably wouldn't have been the biggest deal it probably still wouldn't have been great for him no would not have been a good time so i have a question yeah the guy, how how much time passed before the guy that stayed in the basket or stayed in the balloon realized he was drifting away? Like, did he just watch the guy jump out and go, like, yeah, what the fuck was that about? And then go back to his nuts and then be like, wow, these nuts are getting out of reach real quick. 
<laughs> like, I want to know his thought process or did, was it one of those things where like you see it happening, but it's so bizarre. Your brain can't process it. Yeah. Cause you would think that like, if that started happening, you would try to like grab onto branches right. or like, or, like was the guy napping and then the other guy and like the balloon start taking off and instead of waking up his buddy, the balloon guy was like, ah, fuck this shit. I'm out. Yeah. It's like, like you're, that's, you're that's screwed now. Like, how did this happen? Look, that's that's what I want to know. This article, and I've looked at several different sources now, is basically the same because it's coming out of China, so they're only going to give us a certain amount of information, right? Because it's not like because we because America can't learn the the pine nut collecting secrets of China. <laughs> That'll be the secret. Like, like it's literally like a couple of paragraphs, uh, and that, and like they won't even give the guys like first name or anything. So, so I guess Hugh was in good health, apart from a pain in his lower back, possibly from standing the entire time he was in the air for two fucking days straight. Well, then just sit down. Well, okay, I want to see a picture of this basket. Oh, we may not because. That's the other thing we can't we can't learn about the hot air balloon manufacturing of China. Then we'll know. I mean, if you're if you're able to stand in a balloon, like you can find a way to like lean or sit or something, you know. You would. I mean, you would think. I I want to see a picture of actually what this balloon looks like, but I don't know. They're not going to let you. I, I'm. Wait, is this oh. it? Is this it? I mean, you could still sit there. You could sit. Absolutely, yeah, you could sit. It may be a little. You may tip a little bit, but like you just hang on to a bar. And you're good. Well, and it seems like they were at the very tippy top of the tree. Maybe. Uh, so maybe he just didn't want to risk breaking a leg. Instead, he drifted around for two days. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I would risk a leg. I, well, medical costs. Of course, there's no guarantee that you're going to get rescued exactly so he didn't know at the time that he would have been better off than his friend yeah right okay so um some official at the publicity department which why of the halen forestry administration company on thursday confirmed the balloon incident and described hugh as being in his 40s he said hugh is recovering in the hospital but declined to give further details and then we have one little last tidbit. Mm-hmm. Pine nuts are f- found inside pine cones and are a frequent ingredient in dishes served in the Northeast, formerly known as Manchuria. So I guess... So he was the Manchuria candidate? <laughs> I guess I didn't realize pine nuts were found in pine cones. That, like, makes sense. But I thought they were just kind of, like, their own thing. So, we like, we could go harvest pine nuts right now if we wanted to. I mean, look up what kind of pine, particular pine trees need make those pine nuts. Okay. Because if it's if it's that prevalent, then they shouldn't be so fucking expensive. Right. That's what I'm saying. We've got a little tiny jar of pine nuts that cost us like twelve dollars at Target. Okay, so it could come from several species: uh, Mexican pinion, Colorado pinion, Italian stone pine, and a Chinese pine nut but it seems like only 20 varieties of pine trees worldwide produce cones large enough for mm-hmm. harvesting so you have to have a large enough cone mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. well and i'm sure getting those little fuckers out of there isn't a good time i'm sure it's it's very do you think he ate all of his harvest i mean while he was up there i don't think they're good unless you like kind of roast them or treat them because <laughs> they're covered in sap and <laughs> 
Yeah, but like if you needed nutrition. I mean, they probably had food on the thing with them. I don't think so. That did not look like they had a whole lot going on with that. Well, people people would eat on freaking steel girders when they were building buildings. I think it's not too far to that is not assume big. he had a metal little metal lunchbox. That's not very big. <laughs> Just saying. Anyway, so there you go. There's our new story survival of the week. All right, so let's get into our main story. Um, So like I said, today is spooky season and um, the start of spooky season. And we have three stories kind of lined up for you this season. and this one today is one story that I heard that is just so chilling and so freaky because there could be a true crime answer to this. There could be just a lack of survival answer to this. We don't have a solid answer. Um, it also takes part pretty close to Costa Rica, um, the Costa Rica uh, Panama mm-hmm. border. So I thought that that would interest you since yeah. you love Costa Rica and its pork just so, so much. Oh, I do. It makes me cry. It's so good. <laughs> Those um, pigs must live a better life. They, they, they eat so good. They must. Um, they probably eat pine nuts. They probably, you know what? That's. <laughs> um. So today we're going to be talking about the disappearance of Chris Kremers and Lee Sanfrun. And this story is really interesting to me because I used to go and still do go on random little day hikes. Um, you know, are you not planning on having a big old survival adventure? You're just planning on hiking up, getting out into nature, seeing some shit, having a good time. You don't pack a ton because you're not expecting to have to survive in the wilderness. And that's something that we have done together many Mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. And I used to do sometimes by myself at this age. So this story talks about Chris Kremers and Lisa Infern, who are in their early 20s. And on April 21st, 2014, so this is relatively recently as well. Um, Chris Kremers and Lee Sanfrun left their home away from home to go on a hike through the forests and slopes of the Baru volcano in Boquette, a town in central Panama. Uh, Chris and Lee San were two students from Amersfoort in the Netherlands, and they had decided to take a trip to Panama to travel the beautiful landscapes of Central America and give back by volunteering and teaching um, local children art and learning Spanish. Uh, Lee San had graduated with a degree in applied science in September of 2013, and Chris was studying for a degree in cultural social education, so this kind of work very much applied to what she wanted to do. Uh, They had met while working in the, uh, at the, in Den Kleinenhop. I think that sounds right. You're, you know German, so how would you kind of pronounce? It's not German, but it's close yeah, enough. Den, den Kleinenhop. Yeah. In, in Den Kleinenhop. In 
den kleinen hop. In den kleinen hop. Den kleinen hop. There you go. Yeah, you're saying it right. Okay. It, so this is a restaurant in Amsterdam. And uh, both rented rooms at the same student house and quickly became fast friends. Uh, they saved up for six months to go on a trip to Central America to celebrate Lisanne's graduation. So this is our setup. So pretty normal, two young girls, college-age kids, and they just want to have, you know, one of those adventures you want to have where you just go off and explore somewhere completely new to you and, you know, have new experiences when you're that age. Because, um, you know, like a lot of people take gap years to do this kind of thing. Before the real world comes crashing down, makes you cry. Yeah, before you have to like, I don't know, be a productive member for capitalism and pay bills and taxes and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, if you have enough money to do that, that's that's great. Go go for it. Yeah. Because you're not going to have you know a ton of chances to do this kind of thing especially for as long as they did so they had previously been backpacking around costa rica when they arrived in panama uh, spending some time on the coast learning spanish and they intended to stay for the next four weeks with a host family to volunteer at a local school in boquette um so that's i mean they were spending several months kind of doing Mm. this trip so it wasn't just like a two weeks kind of thing it was like for a longer period of time they were staying with you know different families um that kind of thing uh so boquette is a small mountain town in the westernmost province of shiriki 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 yeah you're probably right about 37 miles from the border with Costa Rica. It sits on the Caldera River at an elevation of 3,900 feet and experiences a cooler climate in the lowlands, which provides beautiful forests in the surrounding mountains. A miscommunication with the program had the two women arriving in Boquette too early for their program, so they decided to do some exploring. Chris noted in her diary of the mishap, tomorrow they will try to get a hold of the head teacher. This was a real disappointment, and this was the last entry in her diary. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we've done hikes like the one that they're about to go on. Like, it's strenuous, but not like something that a normal person couldn't do. So one of the women had written a Facebook post about exploring the village and that they had brunch with two fellow Dutchmen before going on a day hike in a jungle-covered forest um, in the nearby jungle-covered Baru volcano. They were following a trail that was supposed to lead to the Continental Divide called the Pianista Trail. I've actually uh, also hiked trails near the Continental Divide. Mm. Or, like, been to the Continental Divide. And I'm pretty sure it's the same one that, like, crosses the entire North American continent, which is fascinating. Mm. The Continental Divide. I've heard of it. Do you know what it is? Like, what, 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 why that 
that line is the divide. So it's because <laughs> that blank look I gave you, that means no. So the continental divide is basically all of the watersheds in the country split on this divide and one half drains towards Atlantic mm-hmm. and one half drains towards Pacific. That's what it is. Ah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So it's kind of cool that it like goes all the way down the entire continent. I wonder if it goes into like the Andes as well. Like if it's the same divide that goes all the way down. Hmm. So, so according to a local expert, the three mile stretch of trail is relatively easy to explore and most tourists return without assistance. The hike was expected to take five to six hours total so the women were packing light, carrying a backpack with passports, a water bottle, a camera, some money, and their cell phones. They were also wearing tank tops and shorts, and when they left, the host family's dog, Blue, had followed them. Oh, Yeah. So it's a pretty, like, so this is a pretty normal hike. Like, yeah. it's, it's more strenuous, maybe, because sometimes we'll just do one to two miles when we're feeling super lazy, but we just want to, like, go see a tree or something. <laughs> <laughs> go sniff a flower. But, like, we've done hikes that are far longer than this. Yeah, Mount Mitchell. Mount Mitchell. And do we'll one. probably and do a Haleakala. We'll probably do one when we go to Big Bend, too. That's going to be longer than, than mm, that. Yeah, that's right. And so, like, they're not carrying a lot of stuff. Right. Um, so the plan was to hike to the summit, um, which would take about two and a half to three hours for a reasonably fit person to reach and return the same way they came. Um, the area behind Pianista is a rugged, steep, and dangerous uh, part of the trail, particularly during the wet season um, which is from April to October and if you remember um, this is going on in April Mm -hmm. so it also crosses uh, steep river gorges up to 70 feet deep which need to be crossed with cable bridges which are not particularly safe Um, these areas are uh, rarely traveled even by locals um, and only indigenous like created trails exist beyond the summit so trails that people have been using you know for like local people living off the land have been using for thousands of years not really for even people in the town of Boquette basically so it's not great after that point yeah and this is one of those situations where it's like Oh, they probably should have used a hot air balloon. They... <laughs> well, the point is, you know, exploration is great, but there is some value, quite a bit of value on the whole stay on the trail thing. Yeah. Not just for ecological, you know, issues and disasters, but also because, I don't know, nature's dangerous and shit. Damn nature, you scary. Like, I don't know. And this is one of those stories that is very much like that. So here on this picture, you see town of Boquette. Yes. Very close to the Costa Rican Panamanian border. Um, And then this is the town down here of Boquette. 
and this is the Pianista Trail. It's just kind of this stretch right here. Mm -hmm. So that's the area we're looking at. And it's not like it's a particularly like completely rural area, but once you get into the wilderness, it seems like. Oh yeah. That's that's you know not really a thing. Yeah, it it does not in that in that part of the world, it does not take you long to get away from the little bit of uh, civilization that they've scratched out there and yeah. then all of a sudden boom you're in the middle of the jungle and you can feel like a jaguar looking at you are there jaguars i guess there must be in costa rica i believe so yeah Corey's actually been to costa rica a couple times so one time we were smack dab in the middle of the jungle uh building a rec center or working on building a rec center for the uh the church we were working with and uh, yeah it was it was pretty cool but like if I believe I've talked about it on the podcast before that I really enjoy peeing outside on a tree. <laughs> um, and in Costa Rica, I used to do it a lot because, you know, I, I tried not to overflow their, uh, or, you know, I, I try not to add too much to their, uh, their septic system and everything. So I would, you know, go pee. Uh, when we we're out in the jungle at night, yeah, I used the bathroom. I did not go like out to the tree line if I had to use the bathroom or anything get murdered i didn't want like a snake to come out and like grab me by the throat and drag me in going shh, 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 or like a <laughs> yeah, like a jaguar or a leopard or whatever to come out and take me down or an, an aggressive hedgehog or anything like that yeah like, you gotta watch out for those hedgehogs yeah well i mean those the frogs there were like talking shit to me so i wasn't gonna <laughs> you weren't gonna upset i wasn't them. gonna upset a hedgehog if a frog was already giving me the business yeah i mean that's that's valid yeah um what's the weirdest or like the most unusual to you animal you saw while you're there probably a sloth just because i've I've never seen one in the wild yeah i was hoping to see a tapir when we were doing like a a jungle zipline thing Mm -hmm. Uh, because apparently the part of the jungle that we were doing it there's like a family of tapirs that would trundle around down there but we never saw one but i did see a bunch of sloths which was cool that is cool yeah i ate termites you yeah yeah, you told me about it. Yeah, that. they tasted like peanut butter. I mean, hey, why not, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're pretty fatty, so that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't bad. Um, so you're kind of familiar. Like, these girls were basically kind of doing the same thing as, mm-hmm. like, you know, going in, trying to integrate with the locals a little bit, trying to, you know, kind of give back to communities mm-hmm. um, just for a much longer yeah. period of time. Um, so they're going to go on this hike, which to me, if you had, if they had stayed on the trail, they probably would have just come back and went on. We never would have heard of them, at least in this context, Yeah, you know? So by nightfall on the 1st of April, after they had left to go on this hike, the host family realized something was wrong when the host dog blue returned alone. Which this is gonna sound bad, but thank God the dog. I was survived. just gonna say that. I was like, well, at least the dog survived. Because they, it's always like my biggest thing is, is the dog gonna die too? Am I gonna? Yeah. Not that you know what happened to them is is not tragic and awful, but um. But why the dog? Why also, Why is it always the dog? It's always the dog. No, so the dog returned. The family searched the area around their house. Um to look for the girls but waited until morning to alert authorities 
On April 2nd, Chris and Lisanne had missed their appointment with a local tour guide who was going to take them on a, a private tour of Boquette. Um, and this prompted the host family to alert authorities immediately. The two travelers were definitely missing. Yeah. So by April 3rd, an aerial search of the forest was conducted and a foot search of the village and the nearby forest area by authorities and locals alike. Um, by April 6th, Panamanian authorities were still combing the woods and the Kremers and Froon families flew in, bringing detectives from the Netherlands with them. They, the Dutch detectives and Panamanian authorities, searched the forest for 10 days. Uh, Lisanne and Chris's parents often offered a uh, $30,000 award to any person that found evidence of their daughter's disappearance, which down there would go, that would have been a lot would go a long way. Yeah, that would be like something you could retire off of down there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, many villagers suspected that Chris and Lisanne actually ran into trouble in town and were victims of crime instead of getting lost on the mountain since no evidence turned up. Um, the days turned into weeks and after 10 weeks there were no signs of the two women. Um, police were starting to slow their search efforts. So we can make some assumptions at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But this is where this whole story gets interesting and just really weird and it turns into one of those kind of internet captivating stories that people will try to solve and you know bring up conspiracy theories and it's just turned into one of those kind of like the diet law of pass mm. story where we really don't know what happened right but there's a lot of weird ass evidence that is just it's so freaky and i have my thoughts about what happened and every time i think i know then i think of like another clue and i'm like okay but this happened so i'm not really sure so let's get into it because this is kind of where it starts to get real spooky not that like getting lost in the jungle isn't spooky enough but mm -hmm. so this was until the local Nagabe woman uh, found a blue backpack in a rice paddy on the banks of the Rio Colibre or Colibra or the Serpent River. Um, and the Nagabe were like a local indigenous mm -hmm. group, likely the people who actually used those, those trails. trails. Um, this was near the village of Alto Romero which was far from the trail that the two women originally set out for. The location was about 10 and a half miles from Boquette and five miles from the summit of La Pianista in a very remote area that was difficult to reach by foot and was covered in thick forest and deep gorges. So this was kind of the area in which for that backpack to end up where it was, that's where the women would have had to have been. Right. And I'll show a map of it later after we've kind of talked about all the different clues. So um, the backpack was dry. 
and the items were undamaged despite weeks in the jungle or on the river, even though heavy rain had been pounding the area for weeks leading up to the discovery. That's creepy. That's creepy, right? Inside the backpack was two pairs of sunglasses, $83, Lisanne's passport, a water bottle, and two bras. It is unknown that these were like the bras they were currently wearing or whether they had packed them for mm-hmm. some reason. We don't know. Yeah. Um, because we don't, I mean, we know what they were wearing, but it's kind of hard to gauge. But it's not like they're sitting there advertising, hey, we're wearing these bras. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what, what was found. in the backpack. And in addition, uh, Lee Sand's camera, which was a Canon PowerShot SX270HS, oh. in case you wanted to know. Um, and both of... Do you have an MSRP for that? <laughs> Get out. <laughs> so, and both of the woman's cell phones were also found, but we, they didn't say what kind of cell phones those were. I was just about to ask you. <laughs> I don't know. Probably Samsung's. Um, they were immediately analyzed, producing dozens of disturbing pictures from this girl's experience during their trek through the jungle and possibly documenting their last days. Uh, the phones had remained in service for about 10 days after the women disappeared. In addition, the women had tried calling the police 77 times in just four days, both the 112 emergency number line in the Netherlands and 911, the emergency line in Panama. Furthermore, police further investigated the area where the backpack had been found, and the police found Chris's clothing neatly folded and set above the waterline along the edge of the river as if someone had placed it there and were simply going for a swim. Hmm. Those are the details. Yeah, that's weird. Fucking weird. And, like, the people who found it said that, like, that they just found it like that, that there wasn't any... Now, I don't know if somebody in the community had found them and decided to just... Right. But I don't see why you would do that especially obviously this community knows the search has been right ongoing otherwise they wouldn't have notified authorities that they found the backpack right so that's weird to me um so from here police began trying to put together an outline of what exactly happened so the first two emergency calls had been made just mere hours after the two women had begun their hike but we think because the forest was so dense neither call made it through in the 77 calls only one call managed to get through but broke up after just two seconds um on april 6th several unsuccessful attempts were made to unlock chris's phone with an incorrect pin authorities assume that due to the timeline one of the women was alive and trying to hack into Chris's phone. It could have been Lisanne, who maybe didn't know Chris's code, or Chris, injured and disoriented, which may have caused her maybe to forget her pin. Um, 
but by April 11th, both phones had died. And, you know, there's the chance that could be somebody else. Trying to break into the phone. Right. And there's no way to really know. Right. But that's creepy. Mm-hmm. It's a creepy detail. So now let's get into the photos, because this is one of the more disturbing elements. Um, so this is all on Lee Sands Cannon Power Shot. The first photos were taken on the morning of April 1st, and they were just pictures they took during the their hike of them on the trail near the Continental Divide. Um, they were both smiling and enjoying themselves as if they were going on just a short day hike. Nothing nefarious was going on at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, that looks like the bra she was wearing. You think so? Oh, yeah. You're totally right. So maybe they were the bras that they were wearing found in the backpack, which is creepy. Mm-hmm. Why, why? Why are they in the backpack? Right. Because if you died out there, you'd probably fucking still have your bra on. I would. And if something untoward happened to them, it's not like the killer would take or the person would take the time to gently take the bra off and like put it in a backpack. Right. They would just rip it off. Right. That's this this is that's why this is so weird. Yeah. So they took, you know, at this time your basic tourist photos. There's no sign of distress in most of the, this first grouping of pictures. The photos show that they reached the summit around 1 p.m. and possibly carried on beyond the pianista trails or the pianista trail. Um there are signs up there warning people to not keep walking without a guide due to the treacherous terrain but there is one photo of the girls uh, that shows them uh following an indigenous trail near a creek stream bed that heads away from the summit of their destination so they you know obviously kind of marked where these pictures were being taken along that trail and this is past this one is past Mm -hmm. the pianista so we know that they did go beyond the, the summit um so this one last photo in this grouping showed chris with what looks like concern on her face however this was around the time that the 911 calls begin at 6 40 p.m um there is also a missing photo between photo 508 which was the last photo they took this one um in that first grouping of photos and then um between 508 and 510, which is the first photo in the next set of photos that we're going to talk about. And uh, investigators determined that it's more probable that this photo was deleted after the second set of photos was taken. Um, because when you are deleting photos, yeah, off your the, phone, the next one would have been 509. Right. So it seems like potentially someone had connected the camera to a computer and deleted the photo. Because there's no way. With- and and that's could have been why they, they couldn't break into the phone. They're trying to get into the phone to delete the picture. Yeah, maybe. But it was on the cam. It was on the. Oh, the it was on the camera. camera. Not the, the phone. Oh. So what the fuck? Yeah. Because if they had just deleted that photo while they were on the trail, it would there would not be a gap. The, yeah, there wouldn't be a gap. And her. We. Well, I guess we don't know. We didn't look up what her phone looked like. Because you can delete, if it's a digital camera, you can usually delete from the phone. But it's a camera. 
I mean, from the camera. Yeah. Yeah, you can go back and delete it from the camera. Right. Yeah. That's a digital. Yeah, you can you can probably delete it from the camera itself. Without having without to. having to hook it up to a computer. Which I didn't have a computer with them anyway. Right. So that's like a real fun, uh, creepy. Yeah. Addition. So let's talk about that second set of photos, which there are a ton of them, and you can go online and look at them all. But I kind of picked out two that are probably the creepiest. So the second set of photos, beginning with the photo 510, were taken in the dead of night between the hours of 1 and 4 a.m. on April 8th, which was almost seven days after they disappeared. There are 90 unsettling photos in this set, which is a lot to take of complete darkness, right? They included things like photos of girl, the girls' belongings spread out on rocks, plastic bags, candy wrappers, piles of dirt, a mirror, and the back of a woman's head with blood, what they think is blood leaking from her temple. But that supposedly Mm. is the blood, but I don't, I don't know. It could be like shadows. I feel like that would be more the back of her head. Right. Then. But that is the photo that they're talking about. Or like the top of her head, maybe. Yeah. And then there's this one, which a lot of researchers, people online, dumbasses online, (laughs) actually, it's looking kind of down into, or maybe up. I'm not really sure what the angle of the photo is, Um, but there's an elevation change for sure. Well, it looks like the plants are drooping that way. So it looks like it's it's going down. Right. And so this kind of thing right here a lot of people think might be a person which I don't know if I believe that and if you magnify it you can kind of see it start to stand out it's that mm-hmm. little no, I see it but I'm like that could be a log could be a rock could be a lot of things so that's one of the photos that a lot of people like scrutinize so like there's a lot of scrutiny going on of those so here's one where they kind of you know, magnify that. So this photo where it's the back of someone's head, it's assumed to be Chris because she had more of that like strawberry blonde hair than Lisanne does. Um, And there's speculation that Lisanne may have used the camera as light to look at Chris's wound if she was wounded because they didn't have flashlights. So you could potentially use a camera flash Mm -hmm. to try to like get some kind of idea of what you were looking at. There are also various pictures of the dark jungle, looking down slopes into trees with no people in them, looking into canyons and a bridge all in the dark. Um, The photos are not blurred. So the photos were likely taken purposely and not under complete duress. There are theories that the women were taking these photos on purpose to serve as trail markers, maybe to help them find their way around, like breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. Another theory is that the pair may have used the camera flash as a light source, either to scare away animals or to find their way around in the dark. Others believe that these photos weren't taken by the women. They believe someone abducted them 
and these photos were taken by their abductee although why right is kind of i don't i don't know furthermore many people have taken these photos lighten them trying to look for either chris lisanne or any other people in the darkness however no solid evidence has come forth um the only photo of a person is this one and it's assumed that it's chris because of the color of the, mm-hmm. their hair so fucking weird mm-hmm. like i like the explanation of using the camera as a light source that seems maybe the most like especially if their phones died right because yeah that's a good point because when did their phone die on the 10th maybe so maybe they were trying to conserve battery power by not using it, you know? I don't know. But it's really weird mm-hmm. and just really spooky. But at, up until this point, they really hadn't found any other evidence of the actual bodies of the two women. However, two months later, on June 19th, they found a pelvic bone and a boot, which had a decomposed foot inside. Yum. Right very um nightmare before christmas we literally just watched that last night and <laughs> as as we watched that scene i was just thinking about the the boot with the foot <laughs> so which is terrible but that's how my brain works so um through dna testing the bones were linked to lisanne um there were no signs of cutting hacking gunshots teeth or claw markings hmm. And the bones were surprisingly clean. Following this discovery and further searches downriver, some of the bones of both women were found, about 33 skeletal fragments, as well as tissue and skin in early decomposition. Like they had just been dumped. Been dumped. Um, Lee Sand's bones looked as if they had decomposed naturally as there were still bits of flesh attached to them Chris's bones however were stark white and looked like they had been bleached which in this environment don't think could happen naturally no maybe in a desert yeah but it's way too wet yeah for them to have been bleached or like by the sun yeah they would have had to put them out on like rocks or something like that and they would have been found by something and they would have had to not have been in like canopy cover yeah so that that's what i mean that would have had to been somewhere exposed out of canopy and like something would have found it whether it was person walking by or like a vulture or something that would have seen it Yeah. yeah um so that's fucking weird uh the tissue and skin which looked fairly fresh for how long they would have potentially been dead for, belonged to Chris. There were no marks on the bones indicating damage, like from an animal Mm -hmm. or a person. The only suggestion of injury was on the bones of the sand's foot. However, a broken foot would have not necessarily killed her outright. The coroners and authorities still don't know how the deaths occurred. Uh, the authorities began looking into persons of interest within the local area, 
Um, an innkeeper had spoken to both women alone as they had asked for directions before the hike, and he had stated that no one was with them. The two Dutchmen they had brunch with before were also investigated, but they were cleared as well. So it doesn't really look like there's a solid suspect. Yeah. Um, and real quick before we move on, so this is kind of the outline of, you know, where all the evidence was found in regards to where they started their hike and it's all it all kind of makes sense because it's all kind of moving in a with the river with the rivers like down the river away from the pianista summit Mm -hmm. at least that makes sense although how did they get you know from point a to point b and why wasn't anything found before then and why were the bones bleached? Yeah. Why the fuck were the book? Why were the clothes folded? Yeah. Even with the camera, parts of the bodies and belongings sound, there have been no serious updates on this case. But a buttload of conspiracy theories. Yeah. <laughs> because it's weird, though. Yeah. It's weird. So Panamanian authorities, this is what they have said mm. happened. They concluded that the women suffered some sort of accident along the trail, like after they got past the summit and became lost in the forest. Lisan had supposedly fallen a great height and died either in or near the river. Uh, Authorities made this conclusion in March 2015, a full year after they had gone missing. Experts say that the breaks in Lisanne's ankle or foot could have only occurred from a fall from a great height. Um, it's thought that maybe in the dark, Lisanne died trying to leave the forest, leaving Chris dead or dying as evidenced via the photo of what is thought to be Chris's head bleeding, which mm-hmm. it doesn't look bloody to me. So I don't know where that assumption mm-hmm. came from. Um, the remains then decomposed and due to the river or rain ended up miles away from the trail. Both Dutch and Panamanian authorities thought it might be possible that Lee San and Chris fell off a cable bridge into a gorge, missing it completely into the dark, killing Chris and injuring Lee San. And this is our, our cable bridge. It's not, when I, they said cable bridge, I thought like it would be like planks of wood. Yeah, no, they they literally mean you're doing a tightrope walk. Yeah, you got like three cables, two you're holding on to, and one you're walking on, mm-hmm. which is like, no, I w- I could not do that. I I could not. I I don't do heights <laughs> like like that. I don't do heights where I'm not secure. I'm fine if I'm secure, but if I'm tightrope walking on a cable. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you have to walk on bridges like that? No. Okay. Not even when we're doing the zip lining. So that that's valid, mm-hmm. but does not explain how how they got to where they did. Well, I mean, it kind of does. Like, if if or, they had fallen off a gorge into a river, it still doesn't explain the clothing, and it doesn't explain how the bodies were found. Yeah. The condition of the boats. Like, that is so weird to me. Yeah. And maybe it's like an Occam's razor moment, and some townsperson 
found them and did something like not them alive but like mm. found the remains and maybe like folded them and then realized it was a big investigation was like oh shit maybe i shouldn't say anything yeah but like the fact that the the decomposing tissue was like only in early stages of decomp that's weird to me because they had 10 weeks they'd been missing at that point mm-hmm. and it seems like for the tissue to be in that kind of decomp they would have only had to be dead like a week or something because that tissue starts decomposing mm. pretty quickly that's what i don't like that's where i'm like is this a cryptid situation i don't mm. know <laughs> here we go cryptid or a serial killer you know yeah so much of the finger pointing on like the failure of finding an answer is goes to the panamanian authorities who've been blamed for a poor initial search or that they could have seen something they didn't want the rest of the world to see because Panama at the time was hoping to rebrand their country as safe for tourists, <laughs> right? So Adela Coriat, a writer for the paper La Estrella, found that there was no chain of custody established for the evidence or remains. Um, she also found that there were 30 other fingerprints on the backpack, likely many from the indigenous people who had found the evidence. However, nobody was fingerprinted. Yep. And if they had, maybe there would have been a fingerprint that wasn't accounted mm-hmm. for. So in addition, the condition of the camera equipment was inconsistent with the place that it turned up and especially the, the amount of time it would have been spending in, in the environment. Um, as there was a lack of damage to the camera or the phones. A lawyer, Enrique Arrocha, who had worked for the Kramer's family, voiced concern about the evidence handling because there wasn't a forensic investigation conducted at the crime scene and sources of the evidence are unverified. In addition, major bones and the skulls of the women are still missing, which may have additional evidence into how they died. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of issues. There are accusations of a cover-up by the, you know, Panamanian state. Um, and a lot of conspiracy theories. <laughs> so, some people believe the indigenous people of the area may have killed the pair and ate them. Which is, like, I feel like is always the first go-to. Yeah. In these kinds of cases. Like, First of all, I'm pretty sure there's no evidence of historical cannibalism no. in this region. Secondly, this is exactly actually what happened with the Diet Love Pass as well, because there was like the Mansi people in that region, and they immediately accused them of killing them. So it's not like it's something that's isolated to like, you know, these kind of jungle. Yeah. So I feel like cannibal, cannibal. Indigenous people are usually associated with like jungle climate, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just that they're always a good place to point your fingers at when you're a racist asshole, basically. <laughs> so some others suggest that the deaths are a work of cartels or organ traffickers, which seems more believable given the fact that they were 37 miles away from the Panama Costa Rica border. 
Yeah. There's a there's a lot of shady shit that happens at that border. Like um, the the jungle that we were working at in Costa Rica, we were actually right next to the Panama border, and we went to go because uh, we always had like one day off where it was our chance to like go see some sites or go to a, like a nice beach or mm-hmm. somewhere that one of the locals that we work with that uh, would recommend us go to something a little bit out of the way, somewhere where we're more likely to uh, help support local businesses or local people kind of like what we did in Hawaii and whatnot Mm -hmm. and uh they they made sure that but like when we're getting on the bus we had to show the bus driver our passport our passport because we were kind of we were were close enough to the Panama border that coming back we would have been it it could have looked like we were coming from Panama and at that time there was a really big uh cocaine transport Mm -hmm. and so even though we were a bunch of doe-eyed you know, Christian white people, um, we still had to get our passports checked and we had to get like vouched for by our bus driver, Danielle Mm -hmm. or Daniel, um, who was well known in the area and whatnot. But it was, it was kind of weird because, you know, there are guys pulling up in a truck with guns and shit. Yeah. None of the, you know, none of them pointed the guns at us at all, but it was that intimidation that was there and they stopped the bus and they kind of looked around. They had a dog sniffing around and they came up on the bus and stared at us like stared each one of us in the eye like these little white christian yeah these were like we're just trying to go to a beach you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm sitting there i'm like we got plenty of cocaine in america we don't need it here. Like, <laughs> we don't need to outsource it um yeah and that to me feels like a more likely yeah yeah i believe that a lot more than cannibals right also, those girls did not look like they had enough meat on them. <laughs> it would not have been worth it. From a practical cannibal standpoint. Well, I've, 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 I've butchered meat a, a time or two. I, oh, my God. Not human meat. <laughs> that one, to me, is the one I, I feel like is most believable. Because I feel like there's some kind of outside influence on what happened to the bodies. Just because of the weird way in which it was all found. Yeah. Like, because I mean that region is, I mean Panama shares a border with either Venezuela or Colombia. I can't remember down here where it mm-hmm. connects into South America. So that's literally the only land highway that you can get drugs into yeah. Central America. So it makes a lot of sense that I mean the cartels are operating in those regions for yeah. sure. Um, in addition to that theory, others think that uh, Panamanian authorities covered up what actually happened in the name of tourism with the goal of changing the idea that Panama is dangerous. It would look better to state that the women died of an accident instead of through foul play, especially in the picturesque regions of you know these forested areas where they want tourists to come and, and hike on these trails. Journalist Adela Coriette said, it's a sad fact, but serious investigation was never done. Everything has been hushed up to protect tourism. I want tourists to come to Panama too, but the government must still do its job. The victims deserve justice, and families deserve to know what happened. So here's another interesting theory. Um, between 2019 and 2017. 2009 and 2017. Shut up. I have a, actually have a really big issue reading numbers. And like actually saying what those numbers are. 
you know, my brain, I'm sure read 2009. I just said 2019 because I was going to say 2017 mm-hmm. next. Stupid. Well, it's a common, it's issue. a pretty common thing. Well, it feels like it's a me issue. Because You're not I, special. God damn it. <laughs> but I always, <laughs> I do always stumble over numbers. I know some people probably like notice it. But anyway, so between 2009 and 2017, over 24 other tourists have gone missing in the area or turned up dead. Many people think it's the work of a serial killer, but, uh, you know, cartel. I feel like cartel sounds pretty good, too. There are apparently leaked law enforcement reports, though, that suggest that someone dismembered the women and scattered the remains deliberately and placed evidence for authorities to find at the river. This is somewhat compelling, considering that the backpack was not wet, the contents not damaged, the clothes neatly folded, and the remains with less decomposition than expected, as well as the bones being bleached. Um, It seems at the very least there was some sort of human influence into how evidence was later found. But, and and this is kind of where I'm like, okay, serial killer is is a, maybe, could be, because... If you're a cartel, you don't necessarily want evidence to be found. Right. Why would you deliberately risk being prosecuted by putting remains in the backpack and all that stuff? Well, they probably know that they're getting away with a lot with the authorities because the authorities are would rather cover things up than yeah. really investigate it. And I mean, there's evidence that they that they got rid of some evidence because that picture is missing. So it could have been that picture was taken because somebody came up on them and they used it to take a picture of a person mm-hmm. as a light source, or maybe they saw a vehicle pull up, you know, because yeah. we, we don't know what that picture was, but it was clearly deleted. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know how, like, I dep- obviously it would depend on the person placing the evidence if they felt safe doing so. Right. And that, I'm just thinking, like, placing that evidence so almost mockingly mm-hmm. feels like something a serial killer would do. I see what you're getting at. Yeah, okay. Because they, they get some kind of feedback from that. When, when their work is discovered, yeah. they get acknowledgement yeah. without it being their name, you know? Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, it could be some particularly twisted member of a cartel doing the same thing trying to send us the same kind of matches like yeah we were just doing this to like local people and we we just did it to some white girls from europe how do you feel about that now? yeah so I, I don't i really don't know but that that that's the one aspect of that that i'm like mm, okay serial killer maybe maybe mm-hmm. there's a lot of serial killers that operate i mean even in this country and, and who's to say that the cartel doesn't have a serial killer i mean that would be a good business to get into. Especially if they're doing, like, organ trafficking. Yeah. Because, I mean, the serial killer is going to know the best way to get someone without damaging the goods. Also, like, you know, if you're a sadistic person, obviously they use means of, like, violence against people. If you're a particularly sadistic person and you want to make money, that's a pretty good draw. Yeah. You know? So, that's true. But... Anyway, I just wanted to address it. There's other theories that are like aliens and cryptids and all that stuff. But I was like, we don't need to get into that just because like, I don't personally 
like even if it was a cryptid like what what kind of cryptid would do that because most of the the cryptids they have are just bizarre creatures and there is no evidence of claw or teeth marks on the bones or anything like that right and like whether bigfoot is real or not whatever i i don't think it would have the brain or it would, it would have the mental uh, uh logic steps to put clothes in a backpack yeah. and set it out and for keep, someone to see and yeah. keep it dry and keep and... it dry or to go through the effort of cleaning cleaning off the bones right yeah like that's like how that's would it fo- that's foolish how would it even bleach them no because because <laughs> essentially bigfoot is just a caveman right it is is australopithecus or you know mm-hmm. so it would just fucking chew on the bones well and i kind of treat cryptid stories like i would treat any other biological organism like use its characteristics in a description to kind of guess how that creature would act based on based on like other animals that are similar so imagine a gorilla exactly imagine a gorilla yeah right they're intelligent but they they don't know about all and of they, this. they don't know human customs Ex- about folding clothes yeah exactly so that's my issue and aliens and like i have i have a hard enough time taking your bra off and i'm my dad listens to this podcast. Well, I'm sure your dad knows <laughs> that on occasion, every once in a while, once in a while, <laughs> once in a blue moon. Anyway, moving on from Bigfoot, uh, <laughs> and then like aliens, like I, I believe that extraterrestrial life exists. I just don't think that they give a shit about us if they're they wouldn't give two shits about two dutch women in the jungle i mean yeah unless, like, unless they abducted them and were like here um, they're, they're back yeah here's some of their bones if you want the, yeah <laughs> yeah it'd be it'd be like the shit from the white vault yeah it, it just doesn't so a lot of dumb theories yeah a lot um previously authorities have said that the river and the scavengers are what scattered the remains. Which scavengers know because they didn't find any evidence, but river, yes. Yeah, the river could scatter it. And the river could even, if it's rocky enough, it could help remove flesh and whatnot off the bones, but there would be damage to the bones. To the bones also. Bleaching. Also the bleaching. Internet groups or but sorry. So they said that either it's the river or scavengers, but uh Cheriki State Judicial Report stated evidence pointed to homicide. So there's a lot of like, I feel like maybe a cover up was part of it. So internet groups continue to pour over available evidence and authorities can reopen the case at any time because they still haven't found all the remains and they Mm -hmm. still haven't charged anybody. Um, But for now, we don't know what happened to Chris Kremers and Leeson Prune in the jungles of Panama. And that is that damn that's freaky man it's spooky season <laughs> and i always like to do one of these like we did diet love pass last time and i feel like this is a very similar to the diet love pass incident in russia the the if you're gonna go you know like on the same lines of like um cannibalism and whatnot it w- like not cannibalism, but the only thing I could think of would be like 
witchcraft or mm-hmm. occult occult things going on which i correct I, I don't know if i don't know if this is true or not but i don't think of costa rica having a huge occult culture well and if they do it's all like bruja kind yeah of. yeah it's it's more medicinal kind of stuff but yeah i mean with the whole bleaching of bones i mean like you in witchcraft and occult stuff you bleach bones to prepare them for rituals and whatnot yeah you clean them you, you know you can't I mean, witches are gross and disgusting and whatnot when they come when it comes to their practices and all that. Uh, if you ask the boys from Supernatural, witches right. are gross, spewing right. their bodily fluids everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but I mean, for the most part, you know, for those rituals and those spells and whatnot, they prepare the bones, they clean them because they treat them with reverence because they're part of their spells. Yeah. And so, like those bones get bleached and cleaned and all that. So that's the only thing that I could think of when it comes to the bleaching part yeah if it's not if it, if we're going not with cartel or homicide or anything like that right maybe it's just some fucked up person who is like taking you know these kinds of practices that a lot of people practice like mm-hmm. like wiccans pagans you know people who practice um you know voodoo or like brujas you know yeah but I think because they're not Christian, a lot of people have like established that oh, it's a cult, oh, yeah. it's Satan, yeah, and that's not necessarily true, right? But that maybe lends to the whole serial killer theory side more so than the cartel, yeah, side for me. Like maybe somebody who's like bastardized like those practices and like they're using them on humans, or or it could be even a little bit more um, innocent than that, and. I mean, somebody who practices that occult stuff, maybe they found the bodies and they're trying to, in, in the way they're do thinking, do something yeah. with it to like honor the bodies or something. Maybe it goes back to that whole Occam's razor idea of maybe nobody killed them. Yeah, they maybe the bodies them. were just found. And so the people are trying to prepare the bodies for some kind of for some kind of burial practice or some kind of ritual or. Yeah. Because, I mean. I don't I don't know what every culture does with their with their dead. Like no. I'm still like these days when you tell me about someone I'm like, "Huh. Interesting." I mean, who would have thought? You know, the Mongolians have freaking sky burials. So right. to say that like something like that couldn't be found in some of these lesser known indigenous communities that we just don't know a lot about. Or, or like those communities that literally dig up the oldest corpse they have and mm. they they dress it up and parade it not in a mocking way but as a way to honor them because that was in the um it was in the south pacific series the penguins yes with the the penguins with the penguins uh but yeah i mean it it could maybe it's something like that but personally i'm still leaning more towards the like the cartel purposeful homicide i was gonna ask you like from when they left the summit to when everything was found what what do you think I think um, they went back in that treacherous area and usually at a lot of those times when like a treacherous area is cut off and it's somewhere that tourists don't go without a guide or something like that, especially in these really remote areas, that's usually where a lot of this um, uh, uh, cartel work or like drug running stuff happens. It's, It's the roads that people don't take. So I'm thinking that they may have stumbled into something Mm-hmm. that they shouldn't have seen yeah and maybe it, and it could be that they were trying to run away from what they saw and that's why the picture got taken and then they were either caught up to 
and the person found the picture, deleted it, and then did whatever they were going to do. Or the girls fell and died or injured themselves and died somewhere. And then the guy just found the bodies mm-hmm. or, or the cartel people found the bodies and yeah. did the same thing. I I, 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 I personally, I have no really good explanation for the bleach bone, for the remains. Yeah. That's the one thing I can't like that, that witchcraft thing. Uh, that's just an idea. But like I said, I don't know of a whole lot of Costa Rican, Costa Rican, Panama, um, occult culture right to speak to that right well and and which doesn't necessarily mean that it's a cult right a cult so i should instead of saying which witchcraft i should say occult work because yeah Yeah. it could either mean in spell usage or in like honoring honoring the body or preparing the body for body for funeral yeah because there's a big difference between like folk magic witchcraft versus like occult Right, because a cult's kind of just like the overarching idea of anything that's like not Christian. Yeah. Yes. Um. But anyway, I I like not Jesus approved. Not Jesus approved. <laughs> I like I like that thought. I'm gonna add a, another idea. How dare you? Um. Maybe they did get lost after they left the summit. Maybe those pictures were them trying to find their way around or run away from someone that they ran into, which was picture 509. Right. And so they were trying to use the light to try to run away. And then they were caught and held for a long time. Because 10 weeks is a long time. Um, They may have had things happen to them, potentially... Maybe they were even supposed to be sold like in the human trafficking kind of situation or the organ Mm -hmm. um, trafficking. And they were kept alive for that long because organs do generally do better when they're attached to a live person. And then they were killed. They said they finally found a a buyer for the organs. Maybe. Yeah. And uh, they were killed. And because this big search was going on, whatever reason those people decided to return all of the items back where they were found and the other thing is because you see i mean it let, yeah it makes sense that's following the river but you see how like everything is in a straight line uh-huh. maybe they were leading the investigation in a certain direction away from yes is that what you're getting to no no but that's yeah that's essentially what i'm kind of thinking like maybe yeah. they were trying to lead evidence away from where the crime is actually committed because you're right why would they just leave a backpack mm-hmm. with all their stuff nicely folded in it mm-hmm. if not to delete evidence and the right. picture that was deleted was deleted because it had evidence that would leak back to them right that was the only thing yeah they should have fingerprinted that backpack that's all I'm yeah saying. Well, and and potentially too, maybe that deleted photo was evidence the Panamanian government didn't want anyone to see. Uh, that could be as well, because I definitely think they know something. Yeah, but they're not saying necessarily. But weird story. Very weird story. Big tragedy as well. Yes, absolutely. But it's it just it boggles the mind. It's the bleach bones for yeah. me. It's those. Like, cause even it's giving what the fuck. <laughs> you actually used that right hey, this there time. There you go. Um, 
but yeah so that's our kickoff to spooky season um Corey's actually going to be back next week to talk to us about folk magic is it next week or or sorry two weeks from now okay i was about to say to talk about you're not ready not for next week (laughs) um but he's going to talk to us about folk magic in another location a little bit closer to home Yeah. yeah um all right so this is the time in the podcast where we usually bring up one good thing to kind of bring us up from our <laughs> depressing depressing stories <laughs> you want to go first i can go first go um first. i guess my good thing this week is um i went to a conference uh for like it's a texas bays and coastal estuaries conference so everybody who does coastal research in texas basically gets together and talks about what they've been working on um and i've done presentations a lot but it was just nice i did a presentation and a lot of members um of that community kind of stayed to see my presentation and gave me a lot of compliments and it was just kind of nice i guess to be appreciated um i would like to get over my allergies but that that's another challenge (laughs) that i haven't quite got to yet but uh, what about you um the the seasonal work that I do um, has been pretty easy so far. I mean, we haven't had any major hangups, literally. Um, we haven't had any major incidents or anything like that, which has just made the first two weeks of it go by really smooth. Uh, but I mean, yesterday I got to fire my shotgun that I bought last year around this time. Um, I think since since I bought it, I've only shot it once at a bird that I thought was a dove when I was out dove hunting, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't a dove. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't hit it, so it's all good. But um, yesterday I fired it, and it with uh, we were just doing some skeet shooting while uh, while Jillian was at a uh, bachelor uh, bachelorette party or mm-hmm. a bridal shower. I was out with uh, the groom, the groom to be. His uh, dad, his soon-to-be father-in-law, one of our other mutual friends, and we were just out shooting skeet into a field, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so we had we had a pretty good weekend. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I got to kick off this season of weddings. Yeah. Officially. Oh, that's right. Just we have. Beginning. It's just beginning. We have four to go to. Yeah. So that's the first check in our in our box or check box. Yes. I don't know. I'm getting tired. I need a nap. So <laughs> our listeners, if you want to find us, um, you can find us at Twitter at MNKY Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Mother Nature Will Kill You Podcast. And that is where I will be posting all of the images we talked about today. Um, we have a Gmail. Um, that is mother nature will kill you podcast at gmail.com and we have a website which is mother nature will kill you podcast.com and if you have your own personal survival story you don't have to have been lost missing or disappeared in 
the jungles of Panama, but if you have, we would love to hear about it. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of other people would do. <laughs> Especially if you disappeared. Um, but, you know, if you have had something that has been uncomfy, that has happened to you in nature, or a situation that got a little too dangerous for your liking on a boat, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. We'd love to hear it, talk about it on the podcast, and you can submit those stories either to our email or go to our podcast website. There is a submission form that you can submit your stories, and it'll also go straight to our email. Um, in addition, if you'd like to support this podcast, but don't have any money because we live in a capitalist hellscape, you can give us a five-star review on any of our listing apps, which include um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Anchor, uh, I'm missing another big one. Haley usually does this, so I'm like blacked out. Anyway, we're on most of the main listening platforms that people use, so <laughs> you can submit a five-star review. That would help us get up the charts, hopefully have more people listen to us, and it's just frankly appreciated. And sometimes we read those reviews on the podcast. Um, all right, so, so stay safe, but most of all, Stay curious, explorers. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.